0: On today's player pool, NFL season has kicked off. We are going to make slight adjustments and corrections to some of the lineups that I have been sent, and I'm just trying to push you guys back to the process and make sure you're hitting every point you're supposed to make, and then we're going to go through each of the main slate games, and we're going to go over all the wait and sees we've discussed. I'm going to highlight every question that needs an answer, hopefully by the end of week one. Football's here. Get excited. Let's jump in. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Hey all, and welcome back to the Player Pool Podcast, our 10th episode since we began back in August. Appreciate everybody joining the party. And it is time. It is time we are not reaching for NFL news no longer. We are in the NFL season, kicking off last night between the Chiefs and the Lions, and I'm not going to lie to you, this is being recorded an hour an hour and a half before kickoff, so I can't even pretend to know what's going to happen. I'm just going to rub my crystal ball at this time and project that the Lions kept it close. They scored easier than people would expect, but at the end of the day, the unstoppable force of Patrick Mahomes prevailed but the lions walked away with a symbolic win by being able to compete with the super bowl champs. That's what I'm going to guess. I don't know if that actually occurs. We'll see if that we'll see, we'll see if that goes, but right there, right there is what I just did. I just predicted a game flow and that's what you need to do now. As we head into the player pool and start preparing weekly, so the format of the show is probably going to change a little bit as the season progresses, but for today's show, I wanted to get into all the main slate games and uh, just kind of identify what we need to be looking for because we have a lot of wait and sees on the board. So I have questions that need to be answered from every game, things that you can be looking for uh, you know, on your Sunday as you're watching as you're watching all the football. Uh, 7 hours of commercial free football is on its way and I can't wait. But before we get into the main slate and we walk through some of the games, I wanted to add a final note to the player pool process. The last thing that you will write down on your player pool. So in the timeline of building your lineups, here's where we're here's where we're talking about. You've made your player pool, you've built your lineups, all your lineups, and you have your lineups in a place where you can see them all. Next, what you need to do, one last thing to help you, I've said it a, a few times but I haven't been able to elaborate, which is you need to cover your exposures. And what I mean by that is what I will do at the, at the end, once the lineups are fully built, I'll put a big circle next to every single player in my player pool, an empty circle. And I will go through all the lineups I have made and I will put an X through the circle of every player that I have in my lineups. I do this, again, so that I know that out of all the players I put down in my player pool, out of all my preferreds, the slate breakers, everything, I need to have a good idea of the players I couldn't fit into my lineups and who I am and, and who I was able to get exposure to. And this is another way to kind of check yourself at the end of your builds to make sure, oh, you know, maybe I could tweak here or there to get one more guy out of my player pool into my lineups. Our goal in the player pool is out of our preferred players and identified slate breakers, we are getting in as many of those guys as possible. That's the ultimate goal. So you always want to cover your exposures. You want to be as least vulnerable to that one player who could pop off and raise the, the floor of the cash line above your head. You want to avoid that situation as much as possible. And I can already tell you where I will be most vulnerable throughout the year is at tight end and i know that tj hawkinson he will carry significant ownership this year but until his price gets down to a tight ends pricing i'm not going to target it but there were some times last year where he had 11 14 targets thrown his way and i was missing the boat on that so you just you need to know it's not about being perfect it's not about covering the spread in this context covering the spread is not the same as in sports betting but you get what i mean. You need to at least know where you can get stabbed from. You know, you so it's not a big shock to you. You don't feel like it was off your radar. A lot of things will be on your radar in the player pool. The key isn't about covering it all. It's just being aware of where the threats are coming from, where the leaks are. Once you can identify why you didn't succeed, you're go- going to become so much better at identifying the path to success. So, Uh, I'll, I'll step down from my Mr. Miyagi wash on, watch off here, but for real, you, you want to be able to see exactly who you were able to actually get, have it all in front of you and know that at the end of the day, if you didn't cash, but those players you didn't have at least made your player pool, you were on the right track. Another note, I'm getting more and more lineups sent my direction. And I have guys who cannot answer these questions when I ask them, such as what is your base? What is your game stack? Where have you raised the foundation? Are you creating diversity in your lineups with that little extra salary left over? You guys have to follow that thought process completely. You have to, again, remember, it's lay the foundation. Find your cheap defense, bargain bin tight end. Then you need to get to your base via a quarterback game stack or naked quarterback lineup. Remember, naked quarterback lineups we use to get to those slate breakers that were hard to fit into our quarterback uh, stacks line, stack lineups third you have to start covering your exposures and fill the holes that's the hardest part of this process where you got to identify some of those select players and make them work but we also talked about this point look for your micro correlations after that finally you need to raise your foundation you need to look at if you're playing the same tight end three times over or defense three times over and a couple hundred in salary I'm not saying go to any defense, but if there's a viable defense that was making your player pool as well or somebody you preferred, same thing for tight end, you gotta diversify. So I, I would say it's half and half right now, but you gotta you gotta go through this whole process. Okay, enough about the player pool for now? Let's get to the games. Week one of the DFS season is unlike any other week, the rest of the season because we have so many wait and see, situations and because of that my overall entry levels will be lower than they will be the rest of the season and if you've listened to me throughout and you've said man this guy really is saying hold back don't enter these situations on a lot it's true i have a very limited scope in week one so what i thought would be beneficial is as we get a first look at these teams going full speed full starters for the first time on sunday Let's identify what we need to keep an eye on so that we know what those teams are going to try to do moving forward. So the first game we have here, and it's a stinker by all accounts, but it's, uh, it's the Carolina Panthers at Atlanta Falcons. This has got a total points uh, at, at 39 and a half, pretty low over on the slate. But what are we looking for here? We are looking for, is Bijan Robinson the real deal, and do the Falcons know it right away? I'll be very interested to see with Tyler Algier there and Corderell Patterson, who, by the way, is listed as the J position on the Falcons depth chart. And if you don't know what that is, it's a new position they created just for him. It stands for Joker, which means he's going to continue to be their gadget player and expect him with that kind of nod to be in the coach's head enough, he's going to – Cordero Patterson's going to eat three to five touches a game. Uh, and so we still have Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier. Algier averaged like six yards a carry last year. My eyeballs are all on this. I have a feeling that if I get totally taken down Sunday, it's because 20% of the field has Bajon Robinson and I don't. But we got to see it. So the question for this game is, on the Falcons' side at least, is Bajon Robinson, the featured bell cow back off the rip in Atlanta. Looking over at the Carolina Panthers, we have a junkyard of of veteran skill position players. All there is to see here truly is, can Bryce Young make any of these players viable? Some of these players have been held out as fantasy options for years and have never been able to make themselves viable. Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, you know, Chuba Hubbard's always been Identified as a value running back, but then when he finally gets his shot, it it just leaves a little uh, less, you know, less. There could be more there, I guess. I could say the the words aren't coming to me, but uh, neither do the stats for him. So I would just leave uh, Hubbard alone. Ma- and Miles Sanders, same thing. I mean, just always being touted as a guy who can do stuff over on the Eagles, always hovered around the seven thousand price tag. I never felt bad about not having him in my lineup. So. You got Adam Thielen, he's on the Jordy Nelson retirement plan, it looks like. DJ Chark, saying, I, you just, it's a bunch of nothings. The only one I would keep my eye on, I guess, is Jonathan Mingo uh, at 4,500. But that would require Bryce Young to be able to see over his offensive line. And in the limited preseason action we saw him in, it just didn't look good. So the question for the Panthers is, is this going to be a DFS shadow land zone, uh, a complete uh, just no-go zone the whole season. I think we're going to find out pretty fast uh, that we're not going to be able to use any Panthers this year. But it's a wait and see. Let's see if they're usable. I doubt it. Moving on, got Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Points are at 43.5 for the game total, but most of those points are being attributed to the Ravens. The question I have for the Ravens in this game is how high – Can Lamar fly? I think this is a perfect matchup at home to trounce, to thump, to abuse the Houston Texans. Let's see if Lamar can be dangerous and completely break the slate. Lamar Jackson this week can maybe show himself as the only quarterback slate breaker of the year, one we have to keep our eyes on. And let's see how these these receivers are used. Enough hype juice has been poured over every single one of them. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham. Is there any pecking order here? Can Lamar actually sustain a fantasy-relevant receiver. We'll see. I would also say Mark Andrews' situation at 8K. I think if you're embracing the player pool process and you're playing him, uh, you've really missed the bus here. Uh, he's apparently had some sort of phantom injury as well. Uh, but he's there. I mean, he's there at 8K. I'm not really interested. But I just want to see, can Lamar... Jackson go back to being a rock star after let's admit protecting himself over the success of the team last year. The only thing we need to know about the Houston Texans, they're in the Panthers boat as well. They have horrible offensive line injuries at this point. And the only usable piece I could see we need to at least get a look at is Damian Pierce. His price is going to be enticing all year, but he's going to be facing down negative game script every single week, just about, unless he's playing another another you know rookie team like the Panthers. Uh, so can Damian Pierce, the question for the Texans, can Damian Pierce still be relevant in frequent negative game scripts? If he, Damian Pierce can meet value against the Baltimore Ravens in a game they're surely going to be down early, then he's probably warranting being in your player pool all year. As a football player, he's a stud to me, but his price, given the team he's on, is at a value price. So I would like to see Damian Pierce somehow still get 15 17 touches and scores points. I'd like him to stay in the player pool, but that's a huge wait and see on the Texans side. Moving forward, we got the Cincinnati Bengals at Cleveland Browns, 47 and a half point point uh, uh over under here. And the Bengals are only favored by a point and a half. This is basically a pick'em. What is not said in this pick though, is is Deshaun Watson going to be the real deal or not? The Cleveland Browns mortgaged the house by handing him $250 with no idea if the rust would ever wear off. And last year, it was safe to say, Jacoby Brissett was easily the best quarterback on that team. So, the question for the Browns is, are we going to have to go bankrupt, or is Deshaun Watson back? Deshaun Watson is back this entire team becomes a copy almost of what the Bengals are across the board where they have an elite quarterback. They have a big threat at running back, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and then they have a handful of receivers that can do a lot of damage. Mark Cooper, honestly, Donovan peoples Jones, when he's in a good situation, Elijah Moore has gotten some of that hype juice on them all preseason and David and Joku, Watson, watch him this week. And if he, is fantasy relevant and can make another pass catcher fantasy relevant? It's opening up a stable of options the rest of the year. A lot of lot of eyes on need to be on Deshaun Watson for the Bengals. The question truly is: is, is it this? Is the status quo stayed the same? And for my DFS purposes, I hope they do. I'm assuming the same thing as last year. I'm assuming whatever's left in Joe Mixon's tank, the Bengals organization has made the, the decision to run him into the ground this year. I don't expect any load management on Joe Mixon. But I'm assuming, and I'm not really waiting to find out, but I'm assuming that the Bengals are going to keep it going as they did last year in terms of the usage, usage and distribution on the team. I don't have any questions for the Bengals. All the questions are going to be surrounding Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Next we have Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. Yeesh, how the Colts had a bad offseason. So the question here, and this is also going to be a very popular pick. I think a lot of guys are going to step into the ring with Trevor Lawrence and and a stacked version of of his week one. I probably won't be one of those people. And, again, this is a place I could see myself losing big because I wasn't on this train. But I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. But the big thing we're going to have to look this week is, given the game script, I assume the Jaguars are going to thump the Colts. Given a negative game script for the passing attack, we should see limited throws from Lawrence. I don't expect Lawrence to break 35 attempts. Where are the, we got to look at where's the distribution. Is it truly Calvin Ridley and everybody else? Or is it even across Ridley, Kirk, Ingram, and even Zay Jones kind of stealing you know three to five targets? If it's a balanced approach, then we know that it's still a wait-and-see slash waiting for an injury situation on the Jaguars' skill position players. We have a second issue, though. Not only the pass attack needs to, in my opinion, needs to be a wait-and-see, but the running attack for the Jaguars also needs to be a wait-and-see. Is Tank Bigsby really 1A, 1B to Travis Etienne? The preseason can't tell us. I know that their touches in the preseason were identical, but... Week one will tell us. It'll be obvious. This is a division game. You're coming out full blast. You're not holding anything back. You're taking this easy dub to start the season. So I want to see, again, the question to be, to be answered is, one, is the pass attack for the Jags discernible in any way, or is it even? Two, is ETN and Bigsby 1A1B, or is Travis ETN, with all the draft capital he has in him, truly the featured back for Jacksonville? Over on the Colts side, I don't have a whole lot of long-term questions that need to be answered. This will be a, a team that I will stay away from unless Anthony Richardson comes out and is running enough to be relevant. The only short-term question I have watching the Colts on Sunday, and I will be in on this, I am not waiting and seeing on this situation, is Deion Jackson. I think Deion Jackson potentially can be usable for the next four weeks at least, while Jonathan Taylor is is out Uh, but if it's an even keel thing or Deion Jackson is just not efficient, there could be a realm where Deion Jackson at 5,600 makes value, but they're rough. It's a rough go of it. 20 touches or something, and he barely makes value. Guaranteed, no matter the outcome, Deion Jackson is going to have a higher price in week two. So even if Deion Jackson pays off as a value play this week, and they even have a better matchup next week, Assuming Deion Jackson's price jumps to at least 6,800 in Week Two, we're, we need to see what his production is and his efficiency is to see if it's if it warrants riding that salary up with him or not. But as far as starting running backs go that are under 6K in DFS, if you have a pretty good indication that Jackson's going to get a, a good amount of touches, you almost have to lock him. I'm not saying he's a lock officially, but he's definitely highlighted for me as a preferred. He's definitely circled twice as a value play and you're just going to struggle at the running back spot to find a better, find a better value. So week one, a lot of Deion Jackson watching him closely, but it's, uh, it's probably just going to be a quick hump and dump there. Now we got Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Minnesota Vikings, 45 and a half over under the Vikings are favored by five and a half points. So the question here is, on the Buccaneers' side, do we have any usable pieces? Because, damn it, do we have a lot of recognizable names. I mean, we got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, even Kate Otten is a usable and well-priced tight end at 4900 We also have Rashad White. I mean, everybody but the quarterback makes you excited. It's a shock to me that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could not go out just one more time and find themselves – you know, that mercenary quarterback to make themselves relevant. I mean, that's how few quarterbacks there truly are in the NFL that can bring an impact. Just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, like, who could they have gotten other than Baker Mayfield? Just an old guy. I guess Matt Ryan already showed he's not that guy last year. I don't know. I can't believe they didn't go all in on Derek Carr. Who knows? Uh, it's sad. It's it, it's sad to see a Bucks team that has so many good pieces that won a Super Bowl, not too long ago. Great defense. Solid offense. Can't find a quarterback. It's a shame. It's Kind of like being on the Chicago Bears the last 20 years. Anyway, my question for the Bucks: Are any of you useful? Or is Baker Mayfield good to hold you all down? I have good feelings about Rashad White and Mike Evans. But I'm going to wait and see. Moving over to the Vikings. We basically know what we're getting from Kirk and Justin Jefferson and company. My only question is... Is Alexander Madison actually a stud running back? Or is he just a fav, favorite value plug and play the last few years? I'm going to see if Madison is efficient when he runs the ball against a tough run defense. So even averaging just, you know, high three, you know, three seven, three point seven yards a carry, that would indicate to me it was somewhat worth it. And let's see if the Vikings really how much how much do they love Madison? Are they going to throw to him and hand the ball off to him 15 times or not? We'll find out. The other thing I'll kind of look for, which I think I already know the answer, but who is the actual second guy to catch passes on this Vikings team? I think it's TJ Hawkinson. The way it went last year, he basically sucked up all of Adam Thielen's targets, but I'll be watching KJ Osborne out of the slot, Jordan Addison, and seeing if they're guys that occasionally, you know, can can spike for that seven-target game, which you like to find in a, a value wide receiver. So, I'll be watching some of the pass game distribution for the Vikings. Close eye on Madison to see if he's a a stud running back that needs to be considered like the likes of Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker, that tier of running back, uh, you know, going forward for the rest of the year. Next up, we have the Tennessee Titans going to the Superdome to see the New Orleans Saints. This is a game of pretender or contender. I think these are two teams that have everything built right on them, except the big question at quarterback, but they both got veteran quarterbacks. They also have easy divisions to win. They should be favored in their divisions. And we're going to see, are they the real deal or do they have gleaming holes? So I like both of these teams. I'm going to have a decent amount of these players in my player pool and most likely in my lineups. There's a lot of good micro-correlations so um, that you can get in here as well. So I'll have good exposure to both teams. But at the end of the week, you're going to have to look at what were the distributions in the past game, especially for the Saints. How much dumb Taysom Hill madness do we have to deal with again this year as he vultures touchdowns and, and steals plays from usable fantasy players? Uh, but you know, I like to see what's the idea on the Saints' offense and Tennessee Titans. Are they as predictable as we think they're going to be? Probably. So, just want to see are these two teams that are going to be in it all year or is one of them fake? We'll find out. I will say this, Derek Carr. Now's your time. You got to win the breakup, son. Because the Raiders aren't looking too good right now. Chandler Jones is out subtweeting his GM and his coach, getting locked out of facilities. Derek, now's the time to come out after six weeks working out in the gym. You need to come out looking great. Show them that you won the breakup. Show them that the Raiders made a mistake. Rooting for the guy. All right, now we got San Francisco 49ers. They're heading over to Pittsburgh without Trey Lance. They left him somewhere along the way. Playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Game total is only 41 and a half over under. So the the points are set at 41 and a half. So it's a low scoring game. This may be a game you're working with four total touchdowns across a lot of usable fantasy players. And for that reason, my question for the Steelers is going to be one is Kenny Pickett as good as they say he's about to be. And how is the pass game distribution going to go? Because first off, Pickett's got to be the real deal. Before we even care about the pass distribution. He threw a lot of bad targets at Deontay Johnson last year. The, the quality of target at Deont- Deontay Johnson last year was horrible. But there are so many dudes on the Steelers roster. They're going to probably be in a lot of player pools. But I can also see them being left out of lineups. So for the Steelers, what's that pass game distribution going to be like if it's even good quality? That's all I really care about on the Steelers. I know a lot of people are are looking at Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. That's just a uh, like I've said a lot, a terrible game, a whackable. You don't want to play. So you can take a look at it, and if it's even or slightly, you know, favoring you know Harris over Warren, you're only kind of booking that away in your head for if one of them goes down with injury, God forbid. So nothing in the run game on the Steelers I'm interested in. Looking over at the 49ers, uh, the number one question I have is, are we going to load management and you know baby Christian McCaffrey's touches all year? Or has Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and the McCaffrey family, who, who's very close with that front office, is this Christian McCaffrey, Sean Alexander, Ladanian Tomlinson, MVP here? I have a good feeling that given the wear and tear on McCaffrey's body, Given the contract he's in now, the next one's not going to be anything close to what it is, what the contract he has now is. I think this is the year Christian McCaffrey is gunning for that MVP. So we'll see. That's just my feeling. Uh, Just reading, just, you know, just kind of reading between the lines here. But big question is, are they going to baby McCaffrey, you know, here's your 14 high efficiency touches or or are we going to see the typical 25 touch monster uh, McCaffrey? So, It's a tough game, tough matchup on the road, but they are favored. I mean, Vegas knows something. Vegas always knows something. When you see these lines set this way, especially in a away team, coming across the country, early game, and they're still favored, somebody's trying to tell you something. So the game's going to be close. It's going to be competitive. And as long as those two things are going on, I hope to see the 49ers feed McCaffrey. But it is a wait and see to an extent. He'll be in my lineups. Uh, he's a slate breaker. You can't you can't ignore that. But he, I can also see him tanking a lineup single-handedly. I'm ready to find out. Uh, for the rest of the 49ers, I don't have much questions. I think a lot of people are asking about Brock Purdy if he's good or bad. The thing I know about Brock Purdy is he's not going to run the ball. It's it's rare in this Kyle Shanahan offense. He's going to throw enough to be DFS DFS relevant. So if you're in if you have him in your season long, don't hate me. There's a huge mental difference of how you need to view these players between season long and DFS. Uh, but it'd be cool to see it from a football perspective. Can Brock Purdy just be the quarterback? The 49ers have always wanted. So the rest of the players I'm not super interested in. Maybe, maybe if Debo's touches are higher than seven, uh, that'll kind of spike my interest and I'll keep an eye on that. But that's, that, those are the only questions I really have for the 49ers heading into week one. Next up, we have the toilet bowl, toilet bowl of the week. The Arizona Cardinals or what used to be the Arizona Cardinals. They kind of, after looking at that Jonathan Gannon pump-up video that's been circulating online, they look kind of like a tired, bedraggled JV team that has to come in on Saturday and practice. But uh, the Arizona Cardinals, with their projected 15 points to uh, to score in this game, the over-under set at 38.5, which is still bottom of the barrel uh, for this slate. But they're going over to face the Washington-whatevers, I mean the Commanders, I really want them to change that name. So uh, Arizona's coming across the country. They're playing an early game against Washington commanders. I will say, if you can get to the commander's defense in your lineup builds, do it. This is a guaranteed high sack, five sack. you know, pick at least their you know gain that the Washington Commander's defense is probably going to get. I have said it before. I hate defense and, and daily fantasy sports. However, this might be the most predictable outcome of a defense. You can get my initial builds and I haven't officially made my lineups as of yet, but my initial builds were not getting close to getting the Washington commanders defense in, but maybe you can. So anyway, uh, my question for the Cardinals is, are you as bad as they say you are? And looking as I'm recording this, I'm looking at the, their lineup again, uh, their roster. And it's just going to be bad. I, my, uh, the question I have ultimately is what do they have against receivers with any height? I mean Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, Michael Wilson. I mean that's like a J- that is a JV basketball team. Nobody's over six foot. What are we doing? So yeah, it's gonna be a train wreck for the Arizona Cardinals. Question is, I guess again, are you even gonna be usable this year? Just like the Panthers, I doubt it. So moving on to uh, Washington Commanders, the Eric uh, Bieniemy crowd continually uh, undermining Ron Rivera. The new story that's been pushed out there is Ron Rivera had no clue how good Sam Howell was and that uh, Taylor Heineke had to actually step down and from a start and say, Coach, let him play, uh, because everybody apparently except Ron Rivera knew Sam Howell was a great quarterback. So we'll see how much truth is actually in that story. This is the team that should get beat up on uh, that the uh, commanders are playing. So, yeah, question for me is, is Sam Howell that Kirk Cousins level of quarterback? Because, again, I don't expect, unless he's running a lot, him to be a usable DFS quarterback – but if he can cross that Kirk Cousins line, then who does that bring value to? Terry McLaurin, to some respects, Jahan Dodson. even Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. If the if the quarterback is actually useful, I haven't been near this franchise on a fantasy level in years, and I would like to see some of this open up. But it's all going to start with that quarterback. So Sam Howell can't come out and you know be the man in the room, the dad you know the dad around his kids, the men amongst boys on this. Shoddy Arizona Cardinals team. It's probably another team that I'm going to push in into the you know unusable zone for DFS. So big question, Sam. Howell, are you legit or not? Moving on, we got the Green Bay Packers heading to the Chicago Bears. We got low over unders overall for this uh, this week one main slate. Usually we're more in the forty five to fifty range. A lot of a lot of games at that forty one. 44 point mark. So, uh, but for the Packers at bears, this is the afternoon slate we've gotten to. Uh, It's going to be a fun one. I mean, I think this is going to be a fun game. So my, my game day setup, I got two screens and normally the main screen's playing red zone. The side screen is playing, you know, the featured game of that slate, you know, whatever's on one of the main channels. And I think we're going to switch that around. Once this game comes around and put the Packers bears game on the main, screen and holy cow do we have so many fun questions to answer for both teams so I'll start with the Packers. Question one Jordan Love, can you cross the Kirk Cousin lines in week one? We'll find out. If he does, it unlocks at least four usable DFS players. So Aaron Jones becomes becomes usable. Christian Watson becomes usable. Romeo Dobbs becomes usable. Luke Musgraves becomes usable. I would even say Jaden Reed, their wide receiver three Next version of of Randall Cobb, he could even become a value guy who at least makes your player pool and could be that little piece, you know, to make your lineup make sense. So huge, huge question to be answered there. Jordan Love, can you beat Kirk Cousins or better? Moving over to the Bears. Justin Fields. I don't know if he signed a endorsement deal with Nike and that machine is now trying to make him be more than he is, but You would have thought Justin Fields disappeared to Germany for three months and came back and has all these new abilities because everyone's saying this is the year now. With DJ Moore being acquired from the Panthers, everyone has all of a sudden a lot more confidence in Justin Fields' throwing ability. I'll be very interested to see that if people are even half right because if they're half right, then Justin Fields is the little brother to big brother Lamar Jackson in terms of wrecking slates. So I want to see how nasty Justin Fields can get. This Packers defense is solid but not great. They can definitely be scored on. They got a lot of good individual players just in years past have struggled with uh, against the run. So this is a, a good test for the new, <laughs> all the new skills Justin Fields apparently acquired in the offseason. Other things to look at here that I have questions on is, you know, if Khalil Herbert is indeed the featured back, he becomes a guy who makes your player pool every week, I'll be watching that. Early in the preseason, I was pretty high on him, but I'm starting to kind of waver uh, in my resolve there. So I'll be watching Khalil Herbert. He may make my lineups. He may not. It, it, it's going to be real close. Uh, I think he's going to stay in my player pool, but I don't know about making my builds. Uh, we'll see. So Khalil Herbert, are you getting all the carries? And then the other you know, final questions here, Cole Komet at tight end, he's only 5,200, so he's definitely in your player pool. But is there a pass idea for him are they actually going to try to get him any consistent usage or not in an ideal world i'd like to see justin fields come out make sure he gets his 10 targets to dj Moore, and then his seven more targets to commit keep it simple i mean the rest of the guys he has to throw to we've already done this we've already done this show i mean darnell mooney how long has he been there being held out as a wide receiver one he's not and chase claypool they regret that pick unless he can show us otherwise. I mean, he's going to Paris, you know, and when he's got an off day or two, he's not sticking around the team. So, it it could be. The Bears could be a very nice narrow fantasy football team. I want to see it. So, that's my big question for the Bears. Are you a are you a narrow fantasy football team, Justin Fields? Can you actually throw? Moving on to the Raiders at uh Broncos over/under set at 40 or points again a low total and this is another game that has a lot of it's going to depend on did these quarterbacks get better or more efficient in the offseason so we'll start with the Raiders and the week they've had I mean to have have a player a veteran player of Chandler Jones ability kind of go off to the side there I, and I'll reserve comment overall for what's going on. Cause we don't know enough yet, but he's posted online about how he doesn't like his GM and his coach. And he's locked out of uh, the team facility and, and he's got to go to a, a local gym to just get a workout in. So not a lot known yet, that situation, but I hope everyone's okay. But the Raiders just constantly surrounded by distractions. Josh Jacobs just joined the team a week ago. I probably am not going to touch him this week. I, I know these guys are great athletes, but Yikes, I mean, less than a week of work, and you're going to come in and get 25 touches at that 8400 price. I don't – I'm not a fan. So uh, my big question here is, is is Devontae Adams still going to get fed his his amount of targets? Can Jimmy Garoppolo feed him enough efficient targets to make him uh, stay a slate breaker? I, I assume that the game plan will still be to get Devontae Adams an incredible amount of targets. Uh, I could even see once we check the numbers after this game – it wouldn't shock me to see a 30% target share from Devonte Adams, but that's my main question over all this. Can Jimmy get to that Kirk Cousins line of uh, efficiency? Is Devontae Adams still uh, still usable? And I'll go ahead and assume that by week two, three, four, Josh Jacobs will be full steam and back to a you know borderline slate breaker, stud running back option in my player pool. But nothing I want to touch in week one. Now we got the Denver Broncos. Favorite quote of the offseason, and I'm going to misquote it, but Sean Payton telling Russ to stop kissing all the babies and stop worrying about his outward appearance. Man, if that's the kind of comments that are leaking through to the media and getting to guys like me, I can only assume or imagine what a coach like Sean Payton's really saying to Russ uh, behind closed doors. So. I hope that. I mean, I'm saying that with love. I want a coach to come in. If that's the fix here, I want a coach to come in and make Russell Wilson interesting again. Last year was so depressing. Just complete dysfunction across the board. I mean, after watching Hackett on Hard Knocks with the Jets, I get it. I get it. I'm ha- I. I am ready to say it was nobody else's fault. It was entirely his fault, and move on. But. Please, Sean Payton. I'm a believer, baby. Make Russell Wilson. That's the question. Can Sean Payton make Russell Wilson great immediately? I would bet by the midseason he will be. But we'll, we'll have to see week one. It's it's a team I'm not going to touch other than that beautiful value play we have with Marvin Mims at 4700 However, Jerry Judy, not officially ruled out yet. So if Jerry Judy's back in there at all, all, even as a decoy, I'm not going to be touching Marvin Mims. But that I really don't have any other questions for the Broncos other than I would love to turn on the TV and watch a real offense, NFL offense, on the field again in Denver. I'd love to see Russell Wilson cooking. Uh, that would be a good time. So that's uh, that's my only question is, you know, how soon? How soon until that dish is, is out of the oven, baby? That's all I care about. This is a great team for the Broncos to, to trounce too. I mean, the Raiders uh, weren't – overly, you know, stalwart on defense last year. I think this is a good early test for the Broncos. So even even mediocre success, I think, is a good indicator for the rest of the season for the Broncos here. But we got to see it, the three-and-a-half-point favorites. All right, moving on. This is the most explosive game of the week coming up here. So Miami Dolphins going across the country to the Los Angeles Chargers. So it's always good to note when these coast teams, East Coast, West Coast teams, when they are traveling for game day now in my in my uh experience the west coast team that's got to travel to the east coast and then play that noon game i think that's worth two points i mean it it really to me you can find a real good effect and it's it's almost like a little factor that you can correlate to other conditions one thing i'll look for and I'll, i'll get to the the dolphins chargers game here in a second but one thing i will look for is if a west coast team traveling to an east coast game at an early noon start and the home team is favored by points and has a good running back i mean to me that's that's the stars aligning so um that's that's the situation i like to target but anyway back to the dolphins chargers uh yeah this game i'm going to be all over it all up and down it i mean i may run multiple stacks of this game big big fan Questions for the Dolphins. I mean, I don't have any game-specific questions. I think we know what we're going to see. You know, Raheem Moster, I, I, I'm i shocked, shocked the Dolphins didn't sign one of a few good, decent free agent running backs. Uh, I'm sad that Lenny Fournette's not in the league right now, and even Kareem Hunt. I don't know what Kareem Hunt did on that visit to the Saints when he went Saints to Colts, but whatever he did, I don't know. I'm shocked he's not signed either. Um, but here we are. We got the, we got the uh, Monster Mostert here at running back. Beautiful Valley at 5,900. I don't have a lot of questions for the Dolphins, though. I mean, I my only question, I guess, for the season is, you know, Tua, can you can you stay healthy for the year? That's everybody's question. But I'm just ready to watch the show. You know what's going to happen. Tua's going to throw a bunch of passes at Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, And I'm going to feel confident, cautiously confident, in plugging in Raheem Mostert where appropriate in my lineups. And he's going to be high-owned, very high-owned. On the slate, but I could see a a situation where Devin, uh, the RB2 here, Devin uh, Kane comes in and and steals some some reps, although I think he's dealing with injury. So I don't know. This may be the most highest usage game we get out of Raheem Mostert this year, and uh, I know I'll be in there. So not a lot of questions for the Dolphins. And then looking at the Chargers, I, I have a general question for the team. This is another team that I feel like I know pretty well. I think people can fall and some pitfalls with this team, assuming that there's going to be production in places where there won't be. My biggest question overall for this team is what does the Kellen Moore offense look like uh, on this Chargers offense that has electric players? Uh, I think a a smaller question I'll have is does Austin Eckler still get his serving of targets, or are those going to drop with a new offense? That's my only question. Uh, And if I would open it and see, you know, Eckler got three, four targets in this game. Yeah, I'm going to have some concerns overall about his overall production on the season. But that's my only real question on the Chargers. How is how is Austin Eckler getting fed? Next game we have here, Philadelphia Eagles going over the New England Patriots, 45 points uh, over under here. And the uh, Phillies only favored by four points, which is interesting. I'm seeing some... You know, highly respected NFL writers coming out saying that the Eagles are going to go 20-0 and or undefeated this year. So, uh, only be uh, four-point favorites, even though you're, you know, on the road at New England. That's that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point spread by by Vegas. So, uh, anyway, questions really for the Eagles. I don't actually have uh, any questions on their offense. Uh, I've learned how to pronounce uh, Dallas Godert. Dallas Godert's name, Godert. Godert. You could have been Goderre could have been he had to be dirt so i don't have any questions about his name anymore the only the the answer i already have to the question is how is this running back uh carries distribution you know gonna gonna shake out and i already know the answer it's gonna be a freaking nightmare so really no questions there for the eagles uh the patriots The only question I'll have is Ezekiel Elliott, are you going to be able to cancel out Ramondre Stevenson kind of like you did Pollard last year? If the answer is yes, great. Take all the Patriot players off your options list, keep them out of your player pool. But I assume that Ramondre Stevenson is probably going to be like a 60 40 split. But we'll see. This will be a game script, I would imagine, that would favor Ramondre's usage over the Eagles. Or, oh, I'm sorry, over Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. Assuming the Eagles get out early, it's going to be just the Remondre showing the backfield catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, because we all know, if you saw that report, these receivers are are shoddy. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's knee is apparently, according to Andrew Brandt, uh, you know, a very respected NFL reporter, Juju's knee is on the verge of exploding. So, hopefully they set him out wide in this game. Moving on, we are falling off in quality football teams. This is a to me going to be a very lopsided game. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seattle Seahawks are that team that got their respect last year and are going to surprise people this year by stepping up even further. I can see them winning this division. This is the this is a divisional game. One thing I do like about those opening uh, week divisional games is you're going to see it all from these from these coaches. They're not going to pull any punches. It's going to be both barrels on offense, so you're going to get a very nice, clean look at what to expect from these teams. Now, the Rams. I have a bad feeling that the Rams' only purpose this season in DFS is going to be bargain bin value plays that just kind of plug in. Uh, That you know, there's a lot of usage to to go around with Cooper Cup being out. They have this Puka Nakua receiver is literally listed at 4K. So if you're a believer in in the height because there's nothing to see on the field uh, that he's useful, maybe you plug him in. You're a brave person if you do. Tyler Higby, uh, you know he looks like to be the best veteran over here, 5,300. You know I could actually see him having one of those rare, you know double-digit target uh, games at tight end. But overall, I honestly I don't have a lot of questions for the Rams, other than how long can Matt Stafford work here? You know that's that's about all I really have. Uh, on the Seattle Seahawks side, however, I do have a few questions. One, is a Geno quarterback stack going to be something we got to consider every week? This won't be the last time that the Seahawks play just the Rams, uh, and the Seahawks are surely going to play a couple other bad teams. So with the right type of matchup, is Geno Smith a guy who doesn't run very often, but is he going to be kind of like that Burrow-Herbert level that with the right matchup you can kind of double stack him with Uh, Lockett and Metcalf. So I'll be looking for that. Can Gino blow it up? And then the second thing I'm looking for, again, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. What type of distribution are we going to have here? Is Kenneth Walker going to be the predominant uh, runner? I hope so. I love him as a a football player. I think as a football player, he's he's a stud. But, you know, the coaching staff maybe, you know, can keep him from being... DFS relevant and his price is stiff. I mean, it's at that stud level 7,100. So the question I have for the Seahawks there on the run game is, you know, are we going to mess around with a running back by committee or is Kenneth Walker, the guy. And that'll do it for today's episode. I know we were not very lineup focused on this first episode and I'm doing that on purpose. I am just going to keep, hounding it in your head, these steps that you need to get through. You need to lay the foundation for your lineup. You need to make a a choice to get to your base through either a quarterback game stack, quarterback stack, I keep saying game stack, I mean quarterback stack, or a naked quarterback lineup. Then you need to start filling and covering your exposures. And finally, you need to raise the foundation. This is the week. Because there's so many wait and see situations, because you're just starting this process And probably putting minimal money in this is the week to just put out what can you punch out of your player pool and next week after we have some results after we have a lot of our questions answered about some of these teams we can start getting more into lineup specific preparation but heading into this week i just wanted to kind of identify what to look for in these games and i want to see what type of lineups you come out with so i'm super excited football is Finally here, I'm about ready to go watch this Chiefs-Lions game. Cannot wait. All I will say is, if you need help heading into Sunday, get in touch with me. You can find me on Twitter at playerpoolpod, Instagram at Pod, or shoot me an email, podcast at gmail.com. I am here and available to help you. I want as many of you to catch on to this process as possible Make sure you're watching your bankroll. Make sure this weekend you're spending time with your family and make a thing of it. Sunday, bring the whole family in and, and, you know, make a family day of it. If you can, uh, sometimes I think fantasy play can make, especially guys just make us so inward. And we're so in our screens and our phones and our group chats and our guys and our guys and our guys, but turn it into a family event. And that's what I've done. And I think that that has honestly made me a good player as well. I, I, play with a lot less stress, I think, than other guys that play at the level I do. So hang some jerseys from hangers, buy a dog jersey, throw it on your dog for that day, make up a dish and bring plates of football food to people, but just, you know, share what you love with the people you love. You didn't know there was going to be life advice in this episode. <laughs> on Tuesday's show, we are going to walk through my lineups and I will discuss where I was right, where I was wrong, what led to my failure, what, co- what led to my success. We'll try to pick up lessons along the way, and I'll walk back through these questions we were after and see if we got any answers in week one. And before we kick this season off, before we all head together in the player pool, every one of you who has joined me in this and and went out and bought a journal and talked to me about it and are ready to go, I just want to say, football season is here at last. And it's time to unleash the passion, the dedication, and the heart that makes football season and fantasy football season truly exceptional. For months, we've been waiting, counting down the days, and now the moment is upon us. And it's not just a game. It's a test of willpower, teamwork, and the pursuit of excellence, or at least the fantasy excellence. Every snap of the ball, every tackle, every touchdown represents a chance for glory. It's a chance to rise above the challenges of better players Players that today are better than you, this year you're going to rise above them. You're, you're going to defy the odds. And we as a player pool community can ignite and become successful over the rest. So remember, it's not about the size of the shark in the, in the GPP or tournament game you're in. It's about the character and the discipline and the unbreakable spirit you have as a fantasy football player that's going to determine the outcome this year. So let's make this DFS season one to remember. Let's bring the thunder. Let's bring the roar. Let's bring our floaties because we're coming from the player pool. So if I don't hear from you before kickoff Sunday, good luck. We'll see you back here Tuesday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod.